Like many of you, a few days ago, in order to get out of my house and out of the driveway, I had a snow shovel, something I had never had to do in my life. And so blessings to anyone who has to do that every winter, because that was a hard thing to do. It was a dip. I'm still sore from snow shoveling my driveway. Um, it took a lot out of me, and it's, it is, is still with me. I needed help from Wiley. Wiley and I were able to snow shovel my, our driveway together and get the car out. And, of course, right after we did that, it started warming up and melting off. So that's great. The experience, though, reminded me of a truth. That hard things happen a little bit at a time. And the things that we want to do that are hard don't all happen at once. Winning the lottery is a rare thing. But the things we want to accomplish in life that are difficult, whether that's job, career-oriented, or family-oriented, those things take a little bit at a time. It is one scoop of snow after another after another, after another. And the Sermon on the Mount, where we have been now four Sundays, and this will be our last one as we continue through the Gospel of Matthew, reminds me of this truth. Because there is admittedly a lot going on in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. He preaches to a crowd of people that have gathered before him, and he teaches, he, he learns them. And he he imparts kingdom life upon them. And and many times, we come to the Sermon on the Mount and we try to drink from a fire hose. We think, well, we got to get all of this at once when maybe, just maybe, instead of drinking from a fire hose or getting all the snow out at once, maybe it's one scoop at a time. Because Jesus comes to us with a grand hope. He comes to us with a hope of kingdom-focused, kingdom-living. And for many of us, if not all of us, that means a little at a time. That we can approach Jesus' teachings a little bit here and a little bit there, one scoop after another. And I think that's okay. I think that's okay because what we begin to do is we begin to slowly clear the driveway. When we approach Scripture or Jesus' teachings in these way, in this way. And so what I want to do um, for our final Sermon on the Mount, now I, I'm convinced that I could preach Sermon on the Mount 52 weeks a year, every year for the rest of my adult preaching life and would not run out of material. But this is the last one for a little bit as we continue through the Gospel of Matthew. And so what I want to do is I want to pay attention to a large chunk of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount that comes in uh, Matthew 6, in the first part of Matthew 7, when Jesus says six different times, do not. He's got six imperatives in his sermon. Six instructions that are not what to do, but what not to do. 
And I don't know what, what you hear or what your initial reaction when you hear these, but these six, they come at us in different parts, beginning in 619 through the midway point of chapter 7. And for people like me, I hear do not thinking, I'm going to do. You tell me do not, I'm thinking, why can't I? I want to do that. And so I don't know how it hits your ears or how you take that, because many of us also hear it and say, sure, yeah, no questions, you got it. Some of us, we're going to decipher, we're going to break it down, we're going to try to figure out why we can't do certain things, but Jesus seemingly doesn't give up this imperative teaching. Do not, six different times, in fact, he says, do not store up treasures on earth. Do not worry about everyday life. Do not worry about your clothing. Do not worry about tomorrow. Do not judge others. Do not waste what is holy. I asked my mother this week, Mom, what do you have to tell me not to do over and over again as a child? She said, there were two things I had to tell you over and over again as a child. Not that she didn't tell me not to do many other things, but two things over and over again she had to tell me. One, do not throw things in the pool. Apparently, I like to throw things in the pool. And oftentimes, she said, I would throw myself in the pool. The second thing she had to tell me as a child again and again was, do not fight with your sister. And the person I am, that meant, well, I'm going to fight with my sister, right? These are the kinds of things. And when I'm thinking about this, and I was talking to my mom about this, the reason she had to tell me these things is, one, not, it was more than just not doing them. It was a concern for relationship with my sister, right? It was a concern for things that are around me or even my own safety, that the do nots were not there to restrict me or to limit me or to hold me back. They were there in place as a safe measure for me as a child. And what we look at is we think do not is a restrictive statement. So Jesus says it six times. And this is why I think in a lot of ways, and not to any one person, but to general observation and statement, that we come to religion or Christianity or scripture and we say and we think and we often believe that it's so restrictive. You know, that God doesn't let me do a lot of things. God, God restricts me. He doesn't want me to. He says I can. And we, we focus in on the restrictive statements. And so we hear, do not. Again, we, we come to the Sermon on the Mount and we hear really hard statements. Do not worry. I've said a couple different times in a couple different ways here on this sermon. But the do not becomes restricted. Well, he's, you know, God wants to limit me. He's holding me down. We're, we're being held back. Why can't I worry or store up or, 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 or judge others who, who deserve to be judged? Right, we begin to think of these statements as restrictive statements, and we hold on to them that way, when in reality, do not restrict statements. Do not are restrictive. Do not statements, do not limit us, hold us back. Do not statements are concerned about us. 
Jesus is concerned about you. Do not is concerned for your kingdom heart. This is first sermon. In fact, the first sermon preached to Matthew from John the Baptist and Jesus' first sermon are about the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus walked, literally walked the next three, three and a half years of his ministry to preach the kingdom of heaven. This preaching of the kingdom of heaven does not concern itself with restrictions. This preaching and this giving of the kingdom of heaven concerns itself with the disciples, with the followers' hearts for the kingdom. So Jesus doesn't come in to restrict us. Right? It's not come in salt and light. That's what he says in Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. He's salt and light that stand before me. I'm not going to restrict you. I want to free you to live this kingdom life because I'm concerned for you. I'm concerned for your heart. And as a child... I remember vaguely, I think I've tried to put this out of my memory, my mother saying, do not put your hands on the counter. I didn't understand that until I did it. And the stove was on. And so I put my hands up on the counter where the stove was, and I burned my hands, and then I realized she was trying to protect me, not restrict me. Right? That's... This concern for me was about safety as a child. And the Sermon on the Mount, these do-nots are concerns for you, for me, for us, for God's people to be loving, kingdom-focused people where the heart of each and every one of us matters. And the greatest concern of Jesus is not to limit you, not restrict you, not hold you back, but to free you for kingdom, godly, centered living. Okay, so let's pay attention to this. Just to, I'm not going to go through all six, but we'll look at three of them very quickly this morning. Matthew 6, verse 19. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moth, uh, moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Okay? Now, if this is a restrictive statement, we look at the statement and say, okay, what is Jesus trying to keep me from? What's he holding me back to? Okay? But if this is a concern for my heart, here's how we can look at this. Let's take away the imperative. Okay? Jesus says, do not store up treasures on earth. Let's remove the imperative. How about store up treasures here on earth? Now the statement changes, right? The statement becomes something altogether different. If we're told not to store up treasures on earth, but we look at it and take away the do not, now all of a sudden we are told to store up treasures on earth. What kind of command is that? It's not a kingdom-focused command, right? It's not a godly centeredness. It is a look at something else altogether. And what we begin to learn is, is Jesus' do nots are concerns for our hearts and for our actions and for our lives in his kingdom. So when we do not do not, 
allow dangerous non-kingdom thinking and actions to live. When we do not the do nots, we allow dangerous, life-altering, worldly-centered actions and thoughts to brew, to live within us. My mother didn't want me to put my hands on the stove or up on the counter because she knew I might hit the stove, right? It was a concern for me. I did it anyway, and I learned that her outcome or her reasoning was concern and safety. I burned my hands that day because I did not do the do not. It's dangerous in a spiritual sense. There's concern for us. So let's look at a couple more. Matthew 6, verse 25. I'm going to take the same formula here. Jesus says, this is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Do not worry about your everyday life. Take out the imperative. This is why I tell you, worry about your everyday life. What happens in that statement? That's not godly centered. There's no trust to our God. We become people who control or try to control our everyday lives, and we worry ourselves to death, quite literally. All right, how about Matthew chapter 7, verse 1? Do not judge others. Take out the imperative. Judge others. Now, what kind of kingdom-focused-oriented, Jesus-centered life is that? You see, when we start to judge others, we begin to look at ourselves as mightier, holier, better than other people when we are people with sin. In fact, Jesus goes on to talk about the plank on our lights, that text right there. So why not? So tell us do not, because Jesus is concerned for us, for you, for your heart, at being a person who is kingdom-oriented, kingdom-focused, Jesus-centered. Remember, this is the God, this is the Jesus, this is the Messiah who has called you to come behind him. And what we tend to do, right? I'm going to bring in a, a thought here that we've talked about over the last three weeks, but we tend to do is we tend to pay attention to the what's and we think the what's will shape the who. You know, the what will 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 make us who we are. So we have to do certain things. We have to do things a certain way. We better practice church a certain way. We better live out our Christianity in a certain way. And we think the what's will become identifiers to who we are in Jesus Christ. And that's not what Jesus is talking about. And that is an incredibly important way of thinking about the Sermon on the Mount. Because there's a lot of what's in the Sermon on the Mount. But Jesus, I am convinced, is not concerned about the what. He is concerned about who you are in his kingdom. Who is greater than the what? But if the what if we believe, is going to shape who we are, then we look at the do not statements as restrictive statements. Jesus is holding us back. Jesus doesn't want us to do certain things. We see things as limiting rather than freeing. Jesus wants us not to do certain things when in reality the do nots are dangerous statements or dangerous actions that pull us away from the kingdom. They set us off course. And following in the footsteps of Jesus Christ. But who you are, 
But who you are as a disciple, as a child of God, sees these statements, embraces the do nots as a concern of a father who wants his people to be with him, stay with him, follow him. And so to further illustrate this, and as to, to close things out this morning, I'm actually going to use a little bit of this passage here in Matthew 6. I want to pick up in verse 31, because Jesus gives us a really great practical step to see these do-nots as life-giving, freeing statements. So here's one of them, picking up in verse 31. Jesus says, do not worry about these things, saying... What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. For the do-nots, what are they? They are restricting us from being freed in the kingdom. They dominate your thoughts, Jesus says. These are the things that, that unbelievers, he will go on to say, these are, these are the thoughts of unbelievers because they're not kingdom-focused. These are centered, godly-oriented in our lives. Verse 33, seek the kingdom of God of all else. That's what I'm saying again. Seek kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So this little formula, think about what Jesus is doing. Do not worry about these things which will eat, drink, and wear, things that we tend to worry about a whole lot. Why? Why does he want me to worry? What's he restricting? What is he limiting? No, he's freeing us because these things are not of the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. But what does he do? He replaces the do not. He replaces the restriction with freedom. What are we to do instead of? Seek the kingdom above all else. And he goes on in verse 34 with another do not because it's not limiting, it is freeing. When you seek the kingdom of God above all else, verse 34 becomes a reality. Don't worry about tomorrow. Many of you are worried about tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday. You're worried and I'm worried about many things. And Jesus says, if you don't want to worry about tomorrow or what things will happen in the days or the hours that lie ahead, what we do is, is we replace the do not with what we will seek. Seek for the kingdom. Seek after your God. Sure, your word. I don't think Jesus is saying that you're never not going to be worried. But what happens when the worry overtakes your thoughts and your heart and your soul and your day and your actions and your words? Then our worry, as Jesus would put in verse 2 of Matthew chapter 6, dominates our thoughts like unbelievers. What makes us different? Jesus. 
his kingdom, his righteousness, his love, his passion, his care for you, him going to the cross, him being raised from the dead. We replace what you do not with what you seek. And if you are a worrying type of person, if you are worried about the things of tomorrow, then let me suggest to you that you replace that worry with seeking after the kingdom of heaven. Do not are freeing us to do kingdom, to seek, to ask, to knock, to be the salt in the earth, to give light to our neighborhoods. The do nots are freeing us to take up our cross every day, the freeing to worship. We're being freed to live out righteousness, to live out faith, to embrace hope, and to be people of hope. We are being free to reprioritize our life and our works. We are being free to love with no restrictions. We are being free to be Jesus' ambassadors, to be his church, to be his disciples that have been called to go behind him. And then in everything we do, we do not do certain things so that we may seek him in all things. And the Jesus who calls you to live this way, this is the Jesus who empowers you to live this way. I've said this all four weeks here on the Sermon on the Mount, and it is worth taking to heart. Jesus doesn't preach a sermon and go, good luck. He empowers you. He empowers you. With whatever you got going on and whatever sin and baggage you may bring, whatever it is you think is holding you back, Jesus powers you. And you are empowered to seek the kingdom of God. If there's a need of any kind, let's stand together and sing one more song.